Welcome to Divorce Is Not a Destination, the podcast that's here to help you move forward from divorce into a dynamic, fulfilling life. I'm Divorcee and your host, Dr. Lisa Summerhour, and I'm excited to be your guide on this journey. Everybody, happy Thursday. Dr. Lisa here. This is Divorce is Not a Destination, the podcast. I am so excited. You guys can't see it, but on this other computer monitor, I'm looking at the mock-ups of my book cover. I'm so excited. Um, I'll have to tell you about that another day. Hey, Louise and Gay, Brandy. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the mock-up for my book cover. So this is Divorce is Not a Destination, the podcast. I, I am actually a coach. I work with women mostly, successful women who are in high profile positions who are looking for support, community, and confidentiality as they work through either a breakup or a divorce. And we know that you know many of us have been in relationships that weren't necessarily, or that necessarily, that weren't marriages. And they have been just as traumatic as, as the divorces that we may have actually been through. So I work with, with those women who have been through the breakups or divorces, and they're really working to get through it with grace and ease. And I work on four, four primary things with them. We work on accountability because I think it's the pathway into empowerment. I work with them on getting alignment in their life so that they are living in a way that's reflective of their, their faith or their values. We work on communication and we work on trust. And today is the second episode of a four-part series that I'm doing on attachment styles, attachment styles. So last week we talked about secure attachment style. And this week I'm going to be talking about anxious attachment, anxious attachment style. So we're going to talk about the characteristics and what it looks like in childhood. And we had some really interesting things, some interesting conversation last week talking about attachment style. Hey, whisper. And... And, and asking, or I think my mom actually brought up talking about just social context of it, like how, how does society impact that or does society actually impact it on it? So we talked about that a little last week and I'm gonna touch on it a little bit more tonight. So each week I wanna give a little bit of background so that people that didn't catch the week before understand attachment style is, hey Brian, attachment style and Wanda, it is looked at as something that is developed in like the first 18 months months of life and it's how a child is actually conditioned in terms of their attachment to their parents their ability to trust their parents and so it's it's I, I've thought read something earlier today and it said look this is not a mental disorder it's not a disease it's not necessarily something you you get you need to be cured of uh, because in most in many cases it's not problematic for the person it could be problematic for the relationships that they're in, but it's it's something that, that we've all experienced with our parents and that pretty much leads us into whether or not we, we end up with a secure attachment style, an anxious attachment style, um, avoidant, or the, the dreaded one, which is anxious avoidant attachment style. And, and it's developmental, it's something that happens, but it can be changed. You're not locked into it for the rest of your life. It's just that the older we get, like a lot of things, the harder it is to change. So, you know, with uh, this particular attachment style, we're looking at some of the, the questions that people might ask about 
how, what are the characteristics of this particular attachment style? If, if you have anxious attachment, what are some of the things that you may be experiencing or you might see in a partner? And I didn't put it up. I'll, I'll do it before we end. I might have to take a little break to change the ticker tape here because I want to give you, I put this on all of my social media today. Hey, Monica, I wanted to give you the link where you can go and take a five minutes about, this one is about five or six minutes to see what your attachment style is. And I'll, I'll, like I said, I should have put it up here in the beginning. I need to get me an assistant. Hey, Brian. Brian, you wanted to chime in. What's going on, Brian? Oh, hi, uh, Dr. Lisa. How are you? Um, I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing fine. What can I help you with? What are you thinking? Well, um, I'm thinking in the moment about how you were talking about uh, parents and things and I still live with mine and I'm almost in my mid thirties and, um, it definitely gets uh, tough though, because, um, my, uh, philosophies, a lot of my philosophies are very different mm -hmm. and I'm not so old school as it relates to how I meet people, um, business style, um, cause uh, they, they never owned a business. They always worked for somebody. And, okay. um, and so, and also because I'm also a man with, uh, autism, I do have a little bit of, of, um, minor anxiety as well. So as part of that whole anxious attachment style thing. Okay. So, so Brian, I want you to do me a favor. Listen in as we get further into this and take notes and see if some of this strikes familiar. So first of all, being in your 30s now and still living with your parents, that is not that unusual. So um, you're, you're actually kind of falling in alignment with what is a little bit, uh, I'm not going to call it trendy. It's just sort of what's become a little bit more of a norm. Uh, students are coming out of college and getting jobs, and many of them are staying in their parents' homes longer than we might have done 20 years ago for a lot of reasons. Some of it is financial. And some of it is because they have the ability to be able to do that until they kind of get grounded. So I want to thank you for coming on and do me a favor. Just stay, stay with us because it'll be, I'll be curious to hear as we go on, if some of this starts sounding even more familiar to you or not so much. All right. Sounds like. Okay, cool. So I see we got a couple more people that joined us here. And so, just like I was saying, you want to make sure that we understand that this is something that is typically looked at in the first 18 months of a child's life. And so what it might look like for a, a baby, this, it doesn't mean that the parents are bad. It doesn't mean that they're not doing a good job parenting or that they're bad people. They could be phenomenal human beings um, and mean well. What it actually comes down to is the perception it's described as how the child is actually perceiving their ability to get the care and the attention that they need. And so if the child isn't perceiving that that's happening, they will get to a point where they don't trust it. So there's, there's an inconsistency. There's an inconsistency for the child when it comes to the parenting. And what this might look like is, say the child is in the crib and they're crying and the parent has left them in there to go to sleep and the baby starts crying and the parent gets up or one of the parents gets up and goes in the room and the baby stops crying and they lay the baby down and they leave the room and the baby starts crying again. 
And we go through this a couple of times and the parents get to the point where they're like, okay, <laughs> you know, we're trying to get something done here. Maybe we're cooking dinner or maybe we're watching a movie or maybe it's romance night, whatever it is. And so now they decide we're just going to let him or her cry and we're not going back in there. Now, <laughs> the baby is in there thinking, whoa, wait a minute, what just happened? I had a routine going here. It was working for me and they just broke the routine routine so can i trust these people or not what's hello hello is anybody hearing me and what they're saying is that period especially in a child that's 18 months old this is them just trying to figure out what this world is like the parents are trying to figure out you know i can't keep running in that bedroom can i and so depending on this this series of different patterns and behaviors that happen the child is perceiving this as not being consistent and feeling like I can't necessarily trust this. And that is where they say some of this anxiety, this anxious attachment can actually stem from. So it's related to the child's perception of being neglected and the inconsistencies that the child is experiencing. Hey, Julie and Rachel um, and Anna, Cynthia, Monica. Um, so that is what they're looking at. Can it be changed? Yeah, we can, we can adjust our, our attachment styles. Once you've identified that you fit into one category, one, it doesn't mean that you live there hundred percent of the time, all the time, because different experiences with different people, you could be in a relationship as you get older that could actually pull you out of or into a particular attachment style. So, you know, this is one of those things I tell people all the time, read and learn for yourself so that you can see yourself in some of these things that I'm talking about. And what I love about this is there are several assessments that you can take. My favorite one is still from the book I showed you last week, because you can take one for yourself and you can take one for your partner and see where they are in this anxious attachment style. And it, man, for me, it was a whole lot of insight. It was a whole lot of insight. So one of the other things that they look at, like I said, this inconsistency could have a kid trying to figure out, a child trying to figure out, I don't understand what's going on. They were coming in here before, now they're not. They also look at this as a, a factor that they call emotional hunger, emotional hunger. So in that case, the, it's, it's kind of a reversal. That's when there is a caretaker that is using the child for emotional or physical closeness. Okay, I want somebody to be really honest. Have you, do you have a family member or a friend or an associate, somebody that you know, who at some point you were like, stop treating that child like they're a grown person and that they're your emotional support system? Because I, I know I've seen that happen. Now, the child is usually older by the time we see it, but this has started way before we probably picked up on it. And so when that, my mom's giving a thumbs up. And when that happens, this is another instance where you could create an anxious attachment style for that, that child. Um, a lot of times they will say a parent uh, rears a child in the style that they were reared in. So if your parent has an anxious attachment style, it's very likely that they're going to raise a child with that attachment style. It's not genetics. This is not about your DNA makeup. And like I said, it's, um, it, it's, it's not a disease. It's not something that you have to be cured of. It's not a mental disorder. Uh, the, the one that we're talking about today, anxious attachment. Now, last week when I was on secure attachment, which we all want to be in, um, but it's interesting, even if you identify or you assess at secure attachment, I'm going to ask you, think back to when you were younger and see if it's always been like that for you. Or if, as you were answering some of those questions, you kind of go, oh, wait a minute. I remember when this did apply and now it doesn't.
but with the the anxious attachment there is this feeling of feeling insecure uh, there's an instability there's this sense of distress or harm and I looked up just before the show because something struck me oh Monica you're here for this something struck me I thought about domestic violence I thought about um, people who are involved in instances of domestic violence and is there a propensity in terms of any particular attachment style and it turns out that anxious attachment style has the propensity for both sides of that there is a propensity that you could end up being a victim because you're raised with this very insecure um, attachment style there's also a propensity for you to be a, uh, a, a, a an abuser and that comes from the sense that that many people that have attachment this attachment style have is this sense of I have to have you in my life I, I need you you're everything to me and Monica I think you did a show a couple of weeks ago uh, touching on something like that where it's that person oh you're my whole life like I'm not gonna I, I can't live without you and it may sound really romantic I need you it may sound really romantic but if that is coming from somebody with an anxious attachment style you really want to pay attention to other signs that may be telling you this may not be a half a healthy relationship for me. Yeah, Monica. I see. Hey, sweetie. Yep. There she goes. Hey there. Oh, hey. <laughs> How you doing, darling? <laughs> Good. Good to see you as always. So, you know what? I'm going to put a smile on your face, girl. So, I took the test and I knew what I was going to be, and I ended up being a secure attachment. Well, yeah. Not that I'm surprised, no. because I have put in the work to get rid of all my craziness and toxicity. So, girl, I have put girl. in the work to get rid of all my craziness and toxicity, because there was a time where I was just, girl, I, when I tell you, you look up the word, thought she's all that, my photograph was smiling right back at you. And, uh, and I'm all that attachment style. I'm all that. Girl. Woo! But you know what? It's interesting what you were saying about the uh, domestic violence. I find that fascinating because it's so crazy. I was on another podcast. I, I don't know what's happening. I'm going to say this quick, Lisa, because I want you to get back to your audience. But there's something happening in this country, in a, you know, but the, the mass shootings and wow. domestic violence is going through the roof. A lot of people are in very unhealthy relationships because um, they feel the scarcity mindset when it comes down to finding the right people. And and I, I love the fact that you're doing this because people really do need to look at themselves. Are you doing everything that you can to get healthy in mind, body and spirit? If there if it is a serious attachment type like situation to the point, right? girl, you're too funny to the point where you are in a domestic. Ooh, we just lost your volume. We just lost your volume, Monica. All right. I think it now okay. it's showing uh, mute. So if you can unmute, come back to us. So I'm gonna there there you go. You're back. Yeah, keep going, keep going. I'm gonna come right back. Keep going. Okay. I'm gonna talk about some of the um the symptoms, some of the things that you can look for 
with somebody who has uh, uh, attachment, this anxious attachment style, or it could be you. So adults with this, they are anxious and they are preoccupied. They're preoccupied. So they might think very highly of others, but they tend to suffer from low self-esteem. That's, that's one thing. They're very sensitive and they're attuned to their partner's needs, but they may not be as secure about their own self-worth. So they may kind of sacrifice. And this one is interesting because a few weeks ago I was listening to a pastor and he said, be just as cautious. You know, we kind of look at the people who are just really, really selfish and they don't want to ever give and, and we're, we're able to identify them. He said, but you also need to be really mindful of those individuals who are giving everything. They're giving things that they should be reserving for themselves. And so this is talking about the person who is insecure and anxious. They are really attuned to what their partner needs, but they're not really paying attention to their own needs. So it may look like, oh, that's so sweet. They'll give the shirt off of their back. And it may not be real sweet that they're willing to do that all the time. Um, if they are rejected, or they feel like they're being failed, they're not getting the thing that they need, they could blame themselves or label themselves as not being worthy. Worthy. So again, it's that really low self-esteem, this low opinion of themselves. Generally, adults that have uh, anxious attachment style, they have a constant need for reassurance, a constant need for reassurance. They need to feel like they are loved and worthy and they're good enough. This one is also, it's said that this is difficult sometimes to identify somebody with anxious attachment style because some of these things, if, if they're not, if you don't notice them happening consistently, they don't really look all that odd. Like the person that says, oh, I'll do anything for you. Um, and they do do any and everything. And you don't realize that they're doing it to their own detriment. It's like, it's like the king and queen of martyr, martyrdom, right? And so you really kind of have to pay attention or get into therapy to see if this is, is happening. The, the big thing, one of the big things with someone with anxious attachment is they have a really, really strong fear of being abandoned. It could cause them to get intensely jealous or suspicious of their partners. And Monica, this is what triggered me to go, wait a minute, is what could a correlation to, you know, violent tendency, tendencies be when this jealousy and suspicion and this almost, it, when it turns into like possessiveness um, and you're isolating your partner from family members, all of that for me, I just kept looking at this as this is something that could spiral. So they have a lot of fear. They, they this too, this is just, you're gonna hear it now. They have a lot of fear, they feel desperate. They could be very clingy. They could be mm -hmm. preoccupied with the relationship and afraid of being alone. They might even be incapable of being alone. So even when a relationship ends, they might just keep relationship. They are never taking a pause for the cause to look in a mirror mm -hmm. and do some self analysis. Yep, absolutely. There you go. Um, yep, all of those, all of those, all of those, even from a law enforcement standpoint, because you guys know I'm a private private detective and I used to be um, a police officer. All of those are what we call indicators. You so go. you are so spot on, Lisa. I mean, all of those are indicators. And if you see them, you know, I tell women all the time. And the only reason I had to drop off, sweetie, is a call came through and I may have to drop off again. No problem. Um, 
Girl, please, you know my life. I, they do all these crazy investigations in the world is just exploding, child. I, I'm glad but, you um, I want Give me a minute. I want every, everybody look at Monica's picture so you know who she is. Her show here on Fireside, because I don't want you to think she's just a guest on mine, somebody here for me. She actually has her own show as well, even though she is a guest and she's here for me. And it's Monica Mo Morton. Monica, what's your last name? Morton like salt. Mm -hmm. It is Morton. Okay, because in my head, I knew it was Eminem because it's good like that. <laughs> um, but her show is Boss Bitches here on Fireside on Tuesday evening. So if yep. you're able to, to to find her, like her, follow her. But yeah, she is a former police officer and an amazing, amazing, well-established and well-known private investigator. Thank and you, love. You are welcome. You, it's only the truth. Appreciate so, that. So um, yeah, the indicators for an officer or somebody in your line of work is typically coming in after the fact or somebody profiling. And I don't want to scare people because you may take this and find out you have anxious attachment. I, I think in my earlier years, I probably had some. And I know even though I've, I've three assessments gone through and it's secure, I know when I could be pulled in that direction because I'm with somebody that's either anxious avoidant or avoidant. Yep. And, and it yep. looks like, because we're looking at it like, okay, well, I'm going to work with this person. And if you're not paying attention, you are, if you're with them too long, your behavior pattern could start becoming anxious because you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm trying everything and I don't feel like you're doing anything. And you have yeah. to be able to catch yourself and go, oh, wait a minute, I can't go there with you. I <laughs> but you know what, Lisa, there are, I have, I have what I call my seven classic signs. And I tell women all the time, I mean, I've been on, you know, Steve Harvey's show talking about this, everybody's doggone podcast and show. If they have, and I have women say, well, he's got four out of the seven, but he's got six out of the seven. If you have over three, goodbye. Okay. I'm sorry. If you got over three, I'm out. Yeah, I am out of five thousand. If you have a, if you have three out of the seven, no, 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 one or two, I'm cool with. But if you have three, I guarantee you, there's a fourth hidden one, and probably the little brother, the little sister, number six and number seven, hiding away too. So you just have to use common sense, and that's what a lot of people just aren't doing because they have this scarcity mindset. Oh my God, I rather really put up with the crazy dude who don't work and he got bad credit, you know. But he's nice, you know. That that kind of thinking, that kind of mentality. No, when you realize that you're God's best, you deserve God's best, so you're not gonna. Settle for this foolishness out here. Right. So and keep talking. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Keep talking. But the person you're describing that's putting up with that very likely has anxious attachment. How about because that? They don't right because their self-esteem is so low that they're mm. and you know we you hear things like well I put all this time in with this relationship I'm just not gonna let it go. Okay, you were in a relationship to learn if you could be in relationship with this person for a long period of time. Whatever the time is in, look at it as an educational opportunity. I'm going to share this with you real quick, and I'm going to be quiet, Lisa, but I, I literally had a lady contact me today in a horrible marriage, had been being verbally and physically abused for years, but it took him knocking out six of her front teeth, which she sent me the photograph today because I'm trying to help her, but for her to make the decision to leave. And, and I, I was so speechless, Lisa, because I looked at the pictures and it just broke my heart. He hit her so hard, he knocked out six of her front teeth. Mm. 
And she said, well, I was okay with the beatings, but when he knocked out my teeth, that's when it went too far. And I wanted to, first question to her was, sweetie, have, are you in counseling? Because you don't have to knock out my, look, you hit me. Yeah. Well, by the time you get up off the floor after I done put a frying pan in your head, you know, then you can go on and go to the hospital. But I'm not going to call no names, but I'm waiting for one person in here to clap because she's actually done that. I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm telling you, it broke my heart when I saw these pictures. So I'm, you know, I'm putting her with an attorney and I'm helping her, you know, to be able to get. <laughs> I see that. I, I, I do. I see it clapping. But I mean, it was just stunning. And you, and you can't judge people, Lisa, because that's not my job. My job as an advocate and being in law enforcement is to guide, direct, bless and help. I know that. Yes. But it was stunning to me that she was fine with the beatings. But when he when he knocked her six teeth out, that's when he went too far. I was like, Lord, sweet baby Jesus, help me help her. So shows like yours are what helps people to see when somebody has these really, 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 really unhealthy attachments, you know? It, it, and she is definitely, well, I'm not going to say definitely because I don't know her and I'm not a therapist to clinically diagnose somebody that's related. However... Mm -mm. I will say this, listen for the next thing I'm going to talk about is what it might feel like if you have anxious and attachment style, because, you know, I'm going to be quiet. Keep talking. Being an abusive relationship has its own set of layered circumstances that come with that, that you just end up growing into thinking this is normal. And there's a fear of the unknown, which is leaving. And it's almost like I'd rather stay with the devil I know than to have to face another one. So I, I know when you're in an abusive relationship, there are so many other layers. We are definitely not trying to minimize it. Um, and you've got to figure out, you know, a safe way to get out of there. At the same time, if you are still within enough, you, you still have enough wherewithal about it and you have enough brain capacity to hear what we're talking about and start identifying and going, wait a minute. Um, this sounds like that person. And that sounds like me. I need to find somebody to talk to then I am always going to encourage you to find a therapist. So if you have anxious attachment style, this is what it could feel like for you. You could be tired a lot because it's exhausting. It's exhausting because you are on this constant emotional roller coaster. You are, you're, you're with somebody and it feels great. And maybe you got to spend an entire week with them, or maybe you've been dating for months and you've gotten to spend every weekend together. And then there's a weekend where, they can't be with you that weekend. And instead of you saying, oh, you know, this is nice. I'm gonna get a little break and do some stuff with some friends. I'm gonna just get a pamper me weekend and I'll see them next weekend. Instead of that happening, you go into an all out anxiety attack because why don't they wanna be with me? Where are they going? Well, what's going on? Well, what's, uh, is it over? Did I do something? He must have another woman. Sh she must be cheating on me. All of these other things happen inside of your head when you have anxious anxiety that make you tired. So if you're listening to this and you realize, whoa, that's where I go when I have separation from this person and I'm calling it, but it's just that I love you so much. I just love you so much. I just don't want to ever be away from you. Hey, Georgia, I love you so much. I always want to be with you and, and you're, you're my whole world. You make everything. If you're hearing yourself in this, I really want you to take a minute. I want you to take this assessment and see if it comes up for you as having anxious uh, attachment style 
so that you can really start figuring out what is it that I need to do to start working on myself. You heard Monica say, we all have to go there if you, if you want to make changes in your life. It doesn't mean every relationship after that's going to last, but it means when it ends, you understand why it ended and you're okay. You're not trying to chase up. You're not trying to chase that person that was five out of seven on that list thinking I'm going to make it work because you're, you're probably not going to make it work because they're not maybe going to do the work with you. So when it comes to adults with anxious attachment style, relationships could be that life-saving thing, or it could be this life-threatening thing. And that's why they say folks with this anxious anxiety uh, uh, attachment are just tired. They just might feel tired all the time. Their big fear is being rejected. Their big fear is that I am going to be rejected. I'm going to be abandoned. I'm going to be left alone for them. That is like a poison. It is so disturbing and it leads them to this state of being in constant doubt and worry when they are separated from this person or if they have a fear that this separation is going to come. Hey, Pamela, um, the fix for this for them is they have to be present with that loved one. They just have to be there. You got to be with me. If you're with me, everything is fine. I feel so much better. And you start feeling like you can relax a little bit more because now this person is with you. And if that's your reality, um, I see Georgia is on here. I see thumbs up. Thanks, Georgia. If that's your reality, this would be a good time for you to take some time for your own mental health and just get yourself together psychologically have a weekend or a week where you do an assessment like this, you do some journaling and some writing, read as much as you can on these different attachment styles. And if you come up with this one, learn everything you can, and then look back over your past relationships or the one that you're in and see, who, wait a minute, this is me doing this to myself. And at the same time, I realize I'm in a relationship with somebody that's kind of feeding this for me. And this is not healthy. And, and I get it. Believe me, I've been in enough relationships and a few marriages to cover a couple of people on here. It's just, it's life. I'm living life I'm, and I'm loving it. I'm having a wonderful one. But sometimes we have to stop and look back over them and go, what part of this was me and what part of them, this was them. And I just tell folks, there is no shame in living your own life your way. Nobody else can tell you how to live your life. When you have a realization that you have been in a dysfunctional relationship, a relationship that is not healthy, a relationship that you are not living in joy, you have a responsibility to yourself to do what you need to do to get, if you can't change it because the person isn't willing, then it's your responsibility to change it. In other words, get out of it. And, and, and I, you know, I, I'm not a proponent of divorce. I've had a couple of them myself. I love to see married people. I love to see people together and in love and they're working on it together. At the same time, I don't believe anybody should stay in any relationship just for the sake of appearances. Um, some of these people end up dead. Monica ends up at crime scenes trying to figure out what happened because people wanted to stay in something for the sake of appearances. And this goes from folks who are spiritual with no religious affiliation and it goes all the way through every church denomination you can think where people have been told, well, I, I know it's not good, baby, but just stay there. You don't want to get divorced. And she's getting beat up or he's going through somebody that is cheating on him every week. So I'm not, I'm off topic a little bit, but it's all in the same realm of pay attention to who you're with and pay attention to how you're showing up and do what you need to do to be in a healthy relationship. So I want you to think back to that baby crying again 
and, and just compare that to somebody as an adult who has that same detachment. They feel like there's an inconsistency. They, like I was saying, they were with somebody and it was working and everything is going good. And all of a sudden you're separated for a weekend or a week. And this person has what seems like an emotional breakdown because of the separation. That is all the way back to that infant in that crib who has the perception of this inconsistent ability to trust. Monica, your show this week was on respect. And one of the levels of respect was involving trust. And, and that's, that's a huge one. Yeah, I know. I listened, I was listening to you today. Then I had to stop because I found myself talking to my thing here and it wasn't a live show. So you couldn't hear me. So some of the other things to look for, anxious individuals may be really insecure about where they stand in the relationship. They, they question whether their partner loves them. So if that's something that you seem to do all the time, because there is a lack of trust when you are in, have anxious attachment style. And uh, so much of this is tied to the insecurity that, that, that you're carrying around because you just don't believe you're worthy. There's your, the self-esteem is so low that there's always this constant sense of being rejected. So you're trying to hold on to this relationship so tightly because it has become your way of defining that you're worthy. And that as long as this person is with me, then I must be good enough. Right? And so just really start paying attention. I cannot stress journaling enough. Because if you start journaling and putting down dates and, and times and what happened and how you were feeling and what you were thinking and what was going on, you'll be able to go back over the next, over those last weeks or a few months, and you'll be able to see your own patterns. You'll be able to see patterns in the relationship and you'll be, be able to see your patterns and how you related or responded to what was going on in the relationship. So let's talk about can we change it? And look, if there's somebody on here, if you've got a comment, something struck something for you, please just request the little thing down here in the corner, click that and request to come on and talk because I want to have a conversation as often as, as possible. And you are going to be able to bless somebody else if you're able to share some of your experience. So I, I always love that when that happens and always welcome that when it happens. So talking about attachment styles and can you change them? Now they can change. Um, and sometimes they will change by them, but I'm going to say by themselves, but I'm going to really say they will change as a result of a different circumstance. So if you have anxious attachment and you're in a relationship with someone like Monica, who, who did her assessment and she is secure attachment, you could, that relationship could facilitate an emotional closeness and, a, and create a sense of calm and stability for you. And when somebody with anxious attachment is able to live in a space where they can be calm and find this stability, they're, they're, they're gonna, it alleviates that inconsistent feeling, that fear of not being worthy, of being left, of losing this relationship or this person. And so a really healthy relationship with somebody who has secure attachment could help somebody with anxious attachment turn that corner. And that's like just saying that is a beautiful thing. What you want to be careful of is you think it's your job to do that for somebody else. Because it, 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 you, you just kind of have to be in the moment of the relationship and be aware and see if it's going to manifest. If you kind of make people your project, that usually doesn't, doesn't bode too well. Um, other times you may need to work a little bit harder. 
on this attachment style, whatever it is. You may actually need to put some intentional effort, effort in to get beyond um, or change this anxious attachment style and move it into secure attachment. Can you do it on your own? It's possible. You can, there are workbooks now that are out here specifically for folks with anxious attachment. And if you really want to dig in and do the work, it's there to do it. Again, I would highly recommend you find a therapist or a counselor, somebody who is able to work through this with you because it's going to help you be accountable and it's going to give you somebody else to help you track what you're doing. Um, I would also make sure if you're in a relationship with somebody right now and you have identified yourself as being anxious attachment and you decide, hmm, I think I want to see if I can get rid of some of this anxiety that I have. I, I don't want to feel so insecure. I want to, I want to get my self-esteem up. I want to feel good about myself. Understand that this is a change you have decided to make for yourself and your partner may or may not be on board with that because your partner met you when you were in anxious attachment style and something about that might've felt darn good for them. And now here you go trying to become confident and get your self-esteem back and not feel so insecure about your relationship. And now you're saying things like, Hey babe, next weekend I'm going away with the girls uh, for like a four day getaway. And your partner is like, Whoa, wait a minute. That's not part of, that's not part of our routine. So just understand when you make really serious changes in your life, people around you may not be ready to adapt. Uh, some of them may come around. Some of them may never adapt. And that's when you have to make another decision on should these people still be in my life, right? And if you've been there, just clap, put a thumbs up, shout hallelujah, kick something in your, you kick, kick a heel up or something. So one of the keys to um, healing an insecure attachment style is to make sense of the way that you interact with your loved ones. And like I was just saying, especially your partner. So you need to recognize your behavior patterns and then be mindful of those. And if you can start making some changes where you're a little bit more calm and you're a little bit more settled and you don't seem to be so nervous all the time, or you don't seem to be right on edge when things aren't, aren't going the way that used to make you feel comfortable, um, self-reflection. Monica talked about doing that self-work. You want to analyze and sit down and think about your childhood. Think about your childhood. This is when a therapist really comes in handy. And I'll tell you the difference. I'm a coach. I know Monica is a coach. Coaches are here to help you look at where you are now and move you forward. That's what coaches are designed to do. We're going to meet you where you are and help you move forward. Now, we may have conversations with you about things from your past. We may help you connect some dots from things from your past. But the difference between that and a therapist or a psychologist, they may dig deeper into your childhood. They may spend a lot more time with you dealing with some things that I, I call it the, our psychosis stuff. They may spend more time in that. Your coach, that's not really our area. I tell folks, you know, I'm, I'm going to do what I do really well, but I want to stay in my lane. So if I'm working with somebody and I realize every time we are in a session, they keep going back to something that happened with their, when they were five and they are stuck there emotionally, psychologically. That person needs to talk to a therapist. Can you see a therapist and a coach at the same time? Sure you can. Sure you can. Um, they're doing, you want to let them both know, especially let your therapist know that you have a coach and what you're working on, because then they can make sure that they're supporting you in a way that that's, that's beneficial and it's cohesive. But I am always, always in support of folks getting therapy. And especially when you're going to do self-reflection, that's going to have you analyzing your childhood. 
because sometimes things will start coming up for you that you have blocked out and completely forgotten and you may not be really equipped to deal with it on your own. So if you have the help of an actual therapist, that could be really beneficial for you if you start doing this. Realize that your past experiences, they affect your, your current, your present, but they don't necessarily have to predict your future. I have a girlfriend who has her mom and one of her sisters passed away fairly young from blood pressure and, you know, high blood pressure and diabetes and all these things. And one of her doctors told her, well, you know, it's hereditary, you're preconditioned. And she was like, okay, I understand it's hereditary. And I understand that I'm preconditioned because it's hereditary. She said, however, that doesn't have to be my reality. I don't have to live into that. There are things that I can do with my diet and my exercise. It's not like because my mom had heart disease and high blood pressure and died from combinations of things that that is going to be my path and I'm not going to make it to 50. And we all probably know somebody who can speak to that. And what they're learning now with research, medical research, when it looks at our health, is that the reason we have these things that appear to be genetic, many of them are actually environmental. You have the same thing that your parents and your grandparents had because you've been living in the same house, eating the exact same food and basically having the same exercise plan as the people that you lived with. So that right there all by itself is going to create some similarities in health disparities and health conditions rather. So this is research that's, that's being done. So you can look that up too. So yes, you may have a family history of something that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get it. And even if you get it, it doesn't mean that your diagnosis needs to end up like theirs might have been. So uh, it's the same thing when we're looking at these attachment styles. Even though your parents might have had, one of your parents or primary caregiver might have had um, anxious attachment, and so they raised you and you're that way. When you get to the point, I don't, my, my grandmother used to say it, I think it might have been a Maya Angelou, but Nani used to say, you know better, you do better when you know better. When you get to the point where you're old enough to recognize that you've got an issue, then you're also old enough to recognize it's time for you to see what you can do about changing the issue if it's not benefiting you and the people that you care about. So, like I said, realize that those past experiences, they can affect, but they don't have to affect and they definitely don't have to predict your present or your future um, behavior patterns. You have the ability to change those, thank God. Um, working with a therapist, I already said that. And either way, if you want to change your attachment style, you just need to put in the consistent effort. You, it needs to be on purpose. You got to be intentional about wanting to change your attachment style. It is definitely not going to happen all by itself unless you are in a really, really solid relationship with somebody, like I said, that's got secure attachment style. And what will happen is over time, but man, wouldn't it be good for you to be aware of that so that you can recognize that you're in a relationship with somebody who has secure attachment and you've identified as anxious and you're like, you know what, if I really work in this relationship and work on myself, this right here could be magnificent for both of us, right? So I want to open the floor up here and see Pamela, Bonnie, Nadine, Nadine, I saw you clapping. Uh, Monica, she was clapping at the frying pan comment. Man, the family tales. Um, yeah, that, that, that's an interesting, uh, an interesting girl. Line. It ain't nothing like a good old frying pan. Everybody y'all keep cast one. Iron. Okay. Cast iron. The black cast, cast iron skillet. 
Yep. Girl, cast iron all the way. Okay. Tef Tef Teflon will not do it for you. You need a cast iron for that job. I'm sorry. We are not promoting violence here. We're just stating some things that have happened to people that we know. That's all we're doing. We are definitely not promoting violence, but that good old cast iron skillet that your grandmother used to have. So in, did anyone else get a chance to take the assessment and I'm going to try to put this up as I'm as I'm on here now because I forgot to get on here a little bit earlier and put this quiz on here. So did anyone else get a chance to get on there and take their attachment style? And I also want to hear from is anybody thinking I'm scared to take it? Cuz I was I was hoping we had a few more people on here that that had taken it. And does anybody have questions for Monica while I have her on here? I see Wanda here too. Hey, Rachel, how are you doing? So next week, I'm going to be talking about avoidant attachment, avoidant attachment. And I think I actually titled that one intimacy with no sex. Or I'm sorry, reverse that correction, avoidant attachment, sex without intimacy, sex without intimacy. Because that's kind of, for me, one of the one of the one of the uh, signs of somebody with avoidant attachment. Attachment. Now, I, I read that they want the same kind of healthy relationship all of us want, but for them, as soon as you start getting close to somebody with avoidant attachment, they find ways to to disappear. They want to back up. They want to disconnect. It. They don't want you to be. They don't want you in their space in terms of emotional space, they're emotionally detached, almost despondent. Um, so that's who we're going to be going into next week. And then the week after that, it's a combination. It's literally called anxious avoidant. So it's what we're talking about this week and next week. And one of the things that I read said it is the worst combination of both worlds to have somebody that is anxious avoidant. So I want, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take whatever seconds this takes me to do this because I want to give you this link and let me see. I see somebody coming. Is there somebody there? Hey, Georgia. Oh, there she goes. I'm going to put you on so you can, Georgia, did you want to say something? And I think Georgia was just saying she wants the link for the test. So I am literally going to do this right now. I should have put my mom on stage so she could talk for a second while I'm doing this, because I really want you to bless yourself and take this quiz because I just think, I think knowledge is power. I really do. I honestly believe that. And I think sometimes we're afraid of getting information. And so we don't do things like this, or we think we know, and maybe you do, and maybe you're correct. And maybe you're going to be surprised. But the other thing, the one that I put up last week, this is actually a different assessment. This one is a little quicker. The one that I put up last week is one that you can take for your partner. They don't even have to know that you're taking it for them, but it's going to give you some clues. Attachment project. There we go. It's going to give you some clues about your partner to see where does this person, I'll tell you if you really want to have fun, take it, take it for a partner that you're not with anymore. Um, that that's the other one. Take it for a partner that you are not with anymore and see if you can look at that and go, oh, this might be why that didn't work out. 
How about that? This might be why that did not work out. So what I'll do next week is I will put both of these up. I'll put the quiz for this one, which is a little bit quicker quiz. And then I'll put the other one up that will let you take it for yourself and your, your partner. And I will tell you, if you want to look it up, look for, is this coming up reversed for you guys? I think this comes up reversed and I, I hate when that happens. So this says attached. This book is attached. A T T. It doesn't, it doesn't come up reversed, Lisa. Oh, it doesn't. It. Come up fine. Awesome. So this is the book. If you look online and look for this book, it will take you to the other assessment. This is the one that has the assessment that you can take for yourself. And then it'll give you another one for your partner or an ex. And you're going to answer, it asks you the questions like, excuse me, did she or he, when such and such happened, how did they respond? And then you'll go through a series of questions and it will give you what their likely attachment style was. Hey, Wanda. Hi, hi, hi. We're getting feedback from something, TV or something. Turn the volume down on something. You got a computer going. Lisa, can you hear me now? Now you're there. Now you're there and you're free. Okay, what it is is I was trying to watch you on the computer so I'd have a larger screen. Ah, yeah, but I can't that. get in to ask any questions on the larger screen. Mm -hmm. So I had to switch over. Again, I'm here with my mom. Okay. So Hi, Lisa. Hi, Mom. <laughs> so I took the, the yes. Okay. <laughs> well. I took the assessment. I took the assessment and I did come out secure. So then I took it into him and said, you know, Will, Lisa needs you to do this assessment. Ooh. <laughs> did your show when you was talking about um Respect this week. Was it something about lying? I'm just saying. Okay. And you know what? The, the, the Holy Spirit said, we're going to do this show about respect and we're going to dedicate it to Wanda. That's what the Spirit said. And wait, you know what I love? She don't even care. She don't care. She on my podcast saying, yep, I love so, my husband. Did I, I was husband? really surprised. But I, I did see his afterwards and he came out as secure. And how many years have you? Yes, I and it. I tell you, it really it 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 surprised me. How many years have you been married? Forty one. Okay. Forty one. Wow. So yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to say he just walked in. He just told me he's going to be in the cabin by himself. <laughs> Y'all, we are all vacationing together. That is funny. Oh. Okay, so, but this is wonderful. And look, you know, at 20, 25, 30, we all may have been something a little bit different. And yeah, absolutely. Right? And so what's beautiful is after 30, how many years? 41. 41. Yeah, after 41 years, whatever you two have done, you have morphed into having two secure attachments. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. mean you know, you know you got different personalities and all that is exactly the mix. But and this is these are the things that you can look at when you look at the characteristics of somebody with secure attachment, even with the things that you have that are different, there are gonna be some similarities. You can got you guys can go away and be apart from each other and nobody's losing their mind. Exactly. Right? 
So look at those yes. characteristics, those behavioral patterns, and that's where you're going to see the similarities. Now, I believe like, you know, some, some of the folks that I've read, they're like, look, don't act like you don't tell people that once they're here, they're there for life and you're just right in this thing. I really think most things happen on a continuum. And even if you're secure, you could be secure closer to anxious or you could be high up the secure attachment. I really believe that because we, I think we have different degrees of people that operate in the secure attachment, just like there are probably different degrees of people who might operate in anxious. And so there still may be differences even on that continuum. But the beautiful thing is you're both living in that secure space, which means you have probably raised some pretty healthy, secure children. Yes. Yes. And my mother and I was sitting here. And as you were talking about the anxious, um, we were just naming people. And um, one one of them yeah, is, is very close to us. And we say, yeah, that that's that's what's wrong. Maybe we need to push her in this direction to watch the show and catch up on the show. That would be good. But and, and I do have something. Yeah. Hope that they recognize it. Because, you know, some people it, look at and we can point at everybody else, and it's like, no. If you heard the sermon, the sermon was for you. Uh, you, so yeah. I, I wish Joe, I wish Jehoda was here. No, Jehoda wasn't yeah. supposed to be here today, but apparently <laughs> you was. Now I do have to. You. I have to say something, and I don't know. It, it kind of got me. I I was listening to Monica about abuse, and I was in a relationship when I was very young. And it was an abusive relationship, but it wasn't it wasn't physical abuse, it was mental. Right. So I knew I shouldn't have been there. I knew it was time to leave long before I did leave. But the reason I didn't leave was because he had threatened my mother. Mm -hmm. So nobody could understand why I was still there. There was nothing there in the relationship, but I wasn't going anywhere because my mother got threatened. Yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah. You and then stories to share. Yes. And then there was an incident and I I got popped. I mean smacked. So me and my mom are gonna die together because <laughs> nobody's gonna hit me. <laughs> yes. So yes. Well, yes. Well, yeah, well, the mental well, piece, I think I could I could have dealt with that because I knew who I was. All right, I'm gonna deal with that. But when that hit me, when that that happened, I called my mother. I called my mother. I said, I said, Ma, she said, yeah, I said, call, call Angelo and Peanut. Tell them to get a truck and move me tonight. You know what? <laughs> and my mother. I, I, I understand that. I, I can remember I was living in Maryland. I can remember living in Maryland and. I and I I got mad at somebody. We were in the middle of an argument. He said something, and pow! I smacked him, and he smacked me back, and I had to stop. <laughs> and I thought, okay, because I I am one of those folks. If you're gonna hit a man, you might want to be ready. Yes. And I kept thinking, I'm not gonna tell my father and his people down here in Rock. Yep, because that's it. Tell them because I have to call his mother and tell her where to find his body. And yep. Since I, since exactly. I started it, I was like, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to take it like a champ. But I was like, <laughs> oh Lord. And, and, and that, and that pro only person I have ever, only relationship I've ever been in where I, I hit somebody. Um, and only time I've ever been hit. And I, I used to be worried cause I'm like, Lord, I hope that never happens to me because my family is that family where I'd be scared for somebody's life. 
Exactly. And that's how mine is. That's how mine is. That one uncle that ain't afraid to go on back to jail. Mm hmm. Um, mm hmm. So, so, no, they thank were. You for sharing that. <laughs> and everybody was so wrong for that girl because I swear all of us got that one uncle with the bad one. eye that do not mind. Okay. <laughs> three meals in a cot and my clothes are done. I'm I, telling you. I just, re- I just need a kind of good reason. So yeah, I was like, "Ooh, you! I just, I'm not doing nothing because I'm saving your life today. I'm saving your life today." And I, and I just, I, Wanda, I so appreciate you know the things that you come on and share, even 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 when you lie and put me in one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. But I let you know, <laughs> she's so transparent about it that I, I'm just like, so there really wasn't a problem. She told you what she did. It's not like she did it and just let you hang out in the breeze. She was very clear that she did that. But I just, I really want people, I want you, if you're listening to this, just it, Monica, when you talk about the things that are going on in the world, you know, it is really easy to get caught up looking at the news and looking at stuff happening in another country or another continent or looking at stuff happening in another state or the town next, you know, we always hear, oh, that never, I never thought something like that would happen here. Well, it always is supposed to happen somewhere else. Or we're looking at the neighbors, look in your house in a mirror. Because that's mm-hmm. actually how we change the world. It's mm-hmm. us. we change the world one person at a time, starting with us. If Absolutely. I, if, yeah. If I get look, if I get my shiggity right, and I got little Miss Shiggity right here. Come on. If I get if I get my shiggity right, and I'm living with you know what? I never knew I had all this crap on my desk for props. If I'm living with gratitude, yeah, and grace and ease then that's what I'm going to, that's the energy that I'm going to put out into the world. And those are the people that I'm going to spend time with. And hopefully my influence, I'm going to influence them instead of being influenced negatively. And then we can start seeing that ripple because I think a lot of what we are seeing is people are afraid and I'm not getting into people with clear mental issues. You know, we like to say, Oh, anybody that would do that must be crazy. Mm, I do think there's evil in the world and I think there's misguided and I think we needed to not close all these mental institutions. My mom and I were just talking about that yesterday. Um, but I don't know that these people are clinically mental, have a mental illness. Um, I think people have a way of dealing with stress in the moment where they react and they keep living in that, that intention of just being reactionary and they get caught up in it. And then we have all this foolishness that starts happening and people lose their lives. Cause I think a lot of these, Monica, you can t- correct me if I'm wrong. I believe a lot. I'm not talking about somebody who spends months planning things where there's this intentionality. I think a lot of the things when we're looking at like domestic violence happen in the moment where the person is just reacting and now we've got, a, we, we've got people dead. And, and so I think it's those kinds of things that if we were all taking time to intentionally look at what's going on with us before we get to the point where we are emotionally out of control, we could reverse some of this stuff and calm down and realize I don't have anything to be afraid of. My insecurities should not be dictating my actions. Absolutely. And you know what, Lisa, I tell people all the time, one of the best gifts that you can give yourself is self-reflection. And it shouldn't be uh, the anniversary of your birthday every year. Um, I know for me, you know, seriously, girl, uh, for me, I, I really attribute my growth to me putting on my big girl panties and looking at my shit 
and, and making the decision to eliminate and change what I wanted to change because people associate change with chronological age. Your age has nothing to do with your wisdom and your maturity. How many of us know 60, 70, and 85-year-old fools? It is because you've made the conscious choice and decision to change. It is a truly second by second type, like change shift in your consciousness, your thinking, your reaction to things. So for me, I implemented self-reflection years ago, and it has truly blessed me. I do it, it constantly. Yeah, it is a constantly. gift that keeps on giving. My mom used to say, everybody, my mother used to say, everybody has to grow old. She said, everybody will age, but everybody doesn't have to grow up. Mm, absolutely. Because we know old folks that are just foolish. You know, they're, they're not trying to grow up. And so you've got to be intentional about the direction that you want your life to be in and the legacy that you want to leave here. And so I'm doing, you know, this, my, my program is designed for people that have gone through breakups or divorces, um, but that impacts every aspect of our life. I'm, I'm looking into now the research on how divorces impact corporate America and how many billions of dollars are lost each year because of people being out from a bad breakup or a divorce and how productivity goes down. And it's like four to 20% of the productivity goes down from coworkers of the person who's going through a bad breakup or a divorce. And so, you know, the things that we think are only happening in our personal life, you take your same person to work every day. So it's not like you walk through the door of the office or you go into your home office and turn the computer on and the rest of your life goes away. It's right there with you. So trying to get people to understand that I don't want you living in shame and guilt because of a breakup or a divorce. I want you to live in the fullness that God intended you to, to live in. I want you to have the vibrancy in your life that, that is in you. I want all of that to be able to shine and glow. And I want you to be able to bless other people. I believe that empowered people empower people. And I want Love people that. to figure out how to go from divorced or broke up or whatever you've been through to dynamic. Because I believe that in us. And we just need to be intentional about dialing into it. And then figuring out how do I live this in a way that's going to bless some other folks and bless me too. It's okay for you to get yeah. blessed by your own life. That's a good thing. Absolutely. Yep. Watch what you said is powerful. Y'all know I love you. Let me see if anybody else wanted to jump in before we wrap up for today. And remember, take the quiz. Come back next week and be okay sharing with us what your quiz came up, came up as. And next week, again, it's going to be avoidant attachment style avoiding attachment style thanks everybody for being here tonight have a great weekend oh i'll have to show my book cover maybe i'll show my book cover next week good night everybody night she's good thank you for listening i'm your host dr lisa summerhour and until next time remember your life your journey and divorce is not a destination Fireside.